Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. Bible's open to uh, Matthew chapter number six. I'm going to read one verse and then I'm going to read a parallel passage in the book of Luke and uh, then we'll see what the Holy Spirit is going to say. Now, uh, because I want to dive into this, uh, I want you to write down the title of this message before we even get started. And I want you to write it down. Why? Because nerds rule the world. Even though you had a one second pause, you know that nerds rule the world. The title of this message is Breaking the Spirit of Mammon. Breaking the Spirit of Mammon. There's going to be a lot of things that I ask you to write down today. And the reason why I want you to write these things down is because by the end of this message, uh, I really want you to have a comprehension uh, 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 to to this message that allows you to go out and be able to share with others in a very simplistic way. Uh, uh, the way that uh, Christ feels about this particular spirit. So here's what it says in Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. King James and New King James says mammon. It doesn't say the word money. It says the word mammon. We're going to deal with that word in a moment. Here is what the parallel passage in Luke chapter number 16 verses 9 through 13 says. Here's the lesson, and I'll go back and give you context to verses 1 through 8. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone... They will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So we see a verse here that's in Matthew chapter number 6 verse 24. And then we see the same verse listed in Luke chapter number 16. Verses 1 through 8 for context uh, before Jesus breaks this parable open, seems uh, actually uh, like he is giving some credit to uh, the, the, the ungodly uh, viewpoint of the world. Here is the, 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 the parable he decides to set up for this particular story. He said there was a manager uh, who was over uh, his employee, employer's affairs. And the employer came in and said, I'm going to fire this particular manager. The manager uh, takes off and finds all of the people that owes his employer money, and he decides to make some deals with them really fast. He goes, hey, listen, 
How much do you owe my employer? One guy says, uh, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. That's a lot of olive oil. Uh, he says, I, I, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. He said, quick, take the receipt, cross out 800, and put 400. The next person, he goes, hey, um, um, how much do you owe my employer? And let's just say he owed him 50 bushels of wheat. He says, you know what? I want you to cut that down and now make it 25 bushels of wheat. He's striking all of these deals and making friends. How many know if you discount me by half, I'll be your friend today? Anybody in here would like to see their debt cut in half right now? Can you imagine a creditor calling your house today and like, hey, I know you owe $1,000, but you know what? Forget it. You owe me 500. That would be a blessing to somebody. Right. So 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 this guy does it. And, and then and then and then Christ says, here's the analogy I want to use. And then he says, you know what? Uh, the people in the world uh, have the thought right. They just don't have the execution right. And, and if you think about it, the, the way it reads, it's almost like he's giving ungodly people credit for being underhanded. And you're like, God, or Jesus, you're the one giving the parable, so I'm trying to track with you. I'm a little bit uncomfortable. And he says, listen, I want you to learn something from what this guy is doing. And the thing that I want you to learn is not to cheat people. April 15th is coming. Don't read that scripture and be like, you know what? The Lord told me to get as much back on my taxes as possible in the name of Jesus. He said, don't get creative with that. He says, here's what I want you to learn. He said, they understand that they can take resources and be a blessing to people. And if they are a blessing to people, it will open up their hearts and they will become friendly to you. He says, I want you to learn something from this. But in all that learning, I want you to understand one thing. No man can serve Two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, even though NLT translates it money, I really want to uh, deal with the, the word mammon, because if you have a proper definition of the word mammon, it will put this entire passage into context. By definition, this is from the biblical dictionary. Here is what mammon means. And I just have the whole thing written up there. This word occurs in the Bible only in the verses that we read. Matthew 6, 24 and Luke 16, 9, 11 and 13. Now, here's why that's important. The only time the word mammon is used in the entire Bible is by Christ. And it's in red. So he meant it. OK, it says it is a transliteration of the Aramaic mammona. It means simply wealth or profit. But here's Christ's context. But Christ sees it as an egocentric covetousness, which claims man's heart and thereby estranges him from God. God doesn't have a problem with money. He has a problem with the spirit by which you perceive money. Money has never been the problem. It's an inanimate object. <laughs> Demons don't possess inanimate objects. They possess people. And he's saying if you operate in the spirit of God, you're going to see money one way. But if you operate under this spirit called mammon, you will operate in a completely different way. So here's some things I want you to write down. Please take these notes. 
Mammon is a spirit that changes the way we see money. Mammon is a spirit that changes the way we see money. In the same way, lust is a spirit that changes the way you see relationships. In the same way, anger uh, is a spirit that changes the way you see a, 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 a relationship or a problem that you've had. This spirit changes the way, perverts the way you see money. God changes the way we see money. When God changes the way we see money, here's the statement that we all know. It all belongs to God. That's the revelation we get when we understand God's perspective on money. But mammon changes the, see, the way we see money, and here's his perspective. It all belongs to us. When we are flowing in the spirit of God, the way we see our resources is that it all belongs to God. But if we are under the influence of the spirit called mammon, we literally think it all belongs to us. What he literally says is we want to change the way that this happens. Mammon makes false promises. Now, here's how I know uh, uh, it's a spirit, because uh, uh, the, the spirit comes to tell you, hey, if you if, if you have a lot of money, all your problems will be gone. You, you don't have to go far to realize that's not true. You can look in the entertainment industry and find out that's not true. Some of our greatest entertainers are dead and they left millions of dollars behind. Their estate still makes multiplied millions of dollars after their death. They're not here to enjoy it. Why? Because they had all that money, but they did not have peace. They had all that money and could not get to sleep at night. They had all that money, but couldn't really address the real pain that was on the inside of them. So, so money is not the answer, but the spirit of mammon will tell you it is. If you just have more money, all these, all these issues would go away. If you just hit the lottery, where's the Powerball at now? Come on, don't, didn't, didn't God give you a prophetic gift? I, I'm, I'm sure those numbers will just bubble up. If you just go into, a, into a, a froth of intercessory prayer, I believe that God will give up the numbers to you. Because how much could you, how much could you impact the kingdom with $531 million? You'll pay your tithes. The church will grow. You can do missions. Go ahead and scratch off that dollar. Because God has a blessing for you today. It's the spirit of mammon. Speaking to you, trying to tell you and convince you that you need his way instead of God's way. Makes false promises. And I, and, and, and I want you to write this down. Mammon is a spirit. It can talk. And let me tell you one of the statements. If you've ever heard this story, if you ever heard this statement before, it's because the spirit of mammon was talking. I either need God to come through. <laughs> Some of y'all laughing because it's, it's close. I either need God to come through or I need more money. I want you to think about that statement. I either need God or money. I either need God to be the answer to my prayer or I need money to be the answer to my prayer. There is no other person that can answer the prayer except God. And anytime you make a difference between God and money, you what you're saying to him is you are not my provision. 
this is. I need you, God, for like emotional stuff. I need you, God, for like the real tough stuff, like cancer, my migraines, when I need an emotional or spiritual breakthrough. But money, I just need more money. If I got a promotion, I'd be happy. I'd have everything I need. If I could just get, if, if, if the boss comes through and I get that promotion and that raise that I, was, that I was supposed to get two years ago, everything would be fine. How many of you all know? That's the spirit talking to you. And, and, and this, I'm so serious about this. I was praying about this last night and I know it's harsh to hear. That is a demonic spirit that wants to literally pervert the way you see resources in a way that will distance you from the heart of God. And this is why Jesus uses this analogy. And it's the reason why he's the only one that uses it. Because he's dead serious about it. You cannot serve God and mammon. Again, the dollar bill is not the issue. It's the spirit that will seduce you into thinking that that dollar bill can make a difference in your life. That's what mammon is. And that's point number one under uh, 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 under these three points is what is mammon. And I've just explained all of that to you. Here's point number two. Write this down. Is money evil? Is money evil? Well, here's what first Timothy for, uh, verse uh, chapter six, verse 10 says for the love of money. I can stop right there. That answers the question. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money. Any, let me just stop. Anybody, has anybody ever craved anything in here? Um, anybody crave pizza sometimes? Pizza. All my pizza people. Amen, pizza. Okay. Uh, anybody ever crave desserts? Anybody like desserts? All my dessert people. Okay. My favorite dessert, okay, is carrot cake. Okay. The, 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 the second best carrot cake in this nation is at Saltgrass. Okay, Saltgrass Restaurant. I know you. A lot of you are like, I always drive by it, but I never thought about go. Go. <laughs> right. You can skip the salmon. You can skip 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 the steak. Walk. You don't even have to walk in there. Pull it up on your Google Maps and call the number and say, Hey, give me a carrot cake to go. Tell them Tim sent you. They'll know. Okay. <laughs> At least three restaurants will. Anyway, so um, uh, I, I I crave. That carrot cake. Now, I'm on a sugar-free diet. That's the reason why I look so good. Um, I'm on a sugar-free diet. I don't have any sugar in my system. But when I crave that carrot cake, I will pay the price to eat that carrot cake. And it is a price. When you go sugar-free and then you have something like carrot cake, your head swims, your face breaks out, you get a headache and you lay down on the bed with your broken out face and your head swimming in circles and say, God, it was worth it. I will suffer for you. I will suffer for your name and I will suffer for this cake. OK, I did it. OK, I crave carrot cake. The love of money is the root of all evil and some people crave it. Like they do pizza, like they do carrot cake, they, do, they, they crave it. And here's what it says. And they have wandered from the true faith. A craving for money, thank you, Holy Spirit, will make you wander from the true faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. 
There's a reason why there's such a manipulative doctrine on money in so many churches. Because people that crave money wander from the true faith. And it becomes a manipulative tactic to try to get money because it's not for the advancement of the kingdom. It's for the embellishment of the person. I'm going to just let that just let that settle right there. We've said this over and over in the blessed life. There's a reason why we don't pass the plate here. There's a reason why we would, we would just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart about tithes and offerings. Because we believe God can speak to you better about giving than we can. And that you don't need a sermon every single weekend about the faithfulness of God if you just mature in the things of God and start giving. The reason why we know that that's being effective is because, like I told you, in March was our highest giving month ever in the church. That means God's speaking to your heart through the messages. It doesn't need to be manipulated by me. They wander from the true faith. So it's not money. It's the love, the craving that makes the difference. Serving mammon is the root of all evil. <laughs> Being influenced by a spirit of mammon is the root of all evil. Here's what it says in Luke chapter number 16, verse number 9. Remember the lesson that God wants us to get. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, this is an incredible sentence to me. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Let me, let, me, let me go slower on that because this thing messed me up. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Got it? Then when your possessions are gone, when all of those resources are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Who's going to welcome you into eternal home? The people that you bless with your resources. The people that benefited from your resources. So here's the statement I want you to write down, and it's so good. God is the only one that can turn money into souls. God is the only one that can actually turn money into salvation that lasts forever. Do you know that, that, that when you give, when you tithe, when you uh, give offerings, when you give extravagant offerings, here's what happens. Either directly or indirectly, you are being a blessing to someone that may open up their heart and give their life to Jesus Christ. And here's what Jesus said, because he's the one that gave the parable. Jesus says there's going to be people when you get to heaven that will walk up to you and say thank you. And you would have never have known him. You never maybe have met him. And they'll say, hey, listen, remember when you gave that donation to that mission trip that somebody went to in Bangladesh? Yeah, I wound up giving my life to Jesus Christ because you sent somebody to Bangladesh and I'm in heaven now. And I've been walking around wondering who was the person that gave the money to send the missionary or send the resources or send the food or send the shoes or send the backpacks. And God told me it was you. I just wanted to say thank you. I got here before you did, but it's ha I'm finally happy to meet you. We're going to live in eternity. For Here's what he says. He says, he says, when you give resources, I can get souls. Let me give you one of my favorite uh, uh, instances in my own life. Uh, there's, a, there's a place 
there's a, um, a clothier in um, uh, South Lake uh, called Zara. It's not Zara with the A. It's just Zara. Uh, close to copyright infringement, but I guess not. So this place called Zara, they have like semi-boutique uh, 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 couture stuff. And I go in there. I love uh, the, the, the men that are in there. I have the opportunity to kind of witness and evangelize to them. They're both Muslims. Uh, but they've asked me for prayer. They've asked me some questions. We're, we're, we're having a dialogue. And, and, and a, a few, a couple of years ago, I went into the store and uh, I was just going to see, do they have any new shirts? Do they have any more stuff that, that I can get? And there was a young man in there that was being fitted for a suit. He looked great in this suit. And uh, I overheard him talking with John, who is one of the salesmen there. And he said, um, John said, man, you look great in this suit. You should go ahead and get it. And the guy says, man, I love this suit, but uh, I just started uh, this job, and I can't afford to pay for this suit right now. Give me a couple of months, and I'm coming back for this suit. As soon as I heard him say that, the Holy Spirit told me, buy that guy the suit. And I was like, ha, yeah. Okay, all right. Can I get a shirt, though? Can I get a shirt? Because I came in here for me and... Now you're telling me to buy this guy's suit. And I was like, okay, I'll buy the suit. So I went up to John. I said, hey, John. Uh, pulled him to the side. I said, hey, man, would you buy that guy's suit? But don't tell him I did it. And he was like, okay, okay. And, it, I mean, he just got it. He just got He lit up. And he went back to the guy because John is, like, in his 60s, but he's so put together. He's just so smooth. He walked back over there. He was like, hey, man, take that suit. It's funny, when you tell somebody to go be a blessing on your behalf, they act like they're the ones that's doing it. Walked over there, hey man, go ahead and take the suit. It's on me. I'm like, no, it ain't on you. You're going to ask for my debit card in a minute. It's on me, sir, in proxy, okay? He went over there, take the suit. And the guy's like, what? Are you, are you, are you, are, are you sure? Who? Who did? And I'm still in there, so I'm giggling because I love it when I get to be anonymous. So I'm just, <laughs> And the guy, he's like, oh man, that's so great. Okay. For the next four months, anytime I come into the store, here's John. Oh, oh, I've been telling everybody that comes in about the fact that you bought that guy the suit. Oh, man. And I've been telling everybody about your church. I bought this guy a suit, and the salesman now becomes the evangelist for the church. He's like, yeah, yeah. There's this guy named Tim Ross. Oh, he's so cool. He's so cool. And he dresses so cool. Yeah, we dress him. He has on our stuff. All the time. Anyway, he bought this guy's suit, but his church is in Irving. You should go check it out. This is a Muslim man telling people to go check out our church in Irving. It gets better. About a year goes by. I go back in the store. I'm minding my own business. I only saw that guy one time. I'm in the store minding my own business. I hear this voice from behind me. That's the guy that bought me the suit. <laughs> I turn around. It's this guy, Chris, with his girlfriend, his mother and father who are visiting from St. Louis. They're like, oh, they told us the story. Mommy has tears in her eyes. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for buying this suit. This is so great. This is just an amazing thing. We talk about it all the time. And it was Saturday. They said, where's your church? I said, uh, it's in Irving. They said, we'll be there tomorrow. So the whole family comes to church on Sunday. Then mommy and daddy fly back to St. Louis. 
and start listening to our podcast every week. Then start having a Bible study in their home for the people in their neighborhood. Then they made this, this distinction. They said, hey, listen, we're actually a satellite campus of Embassy City Church. And you need to plant a church out here. I was like, well, God hasn't spoken to me. They were like, well, he spoke to us. And so we are members of Embassy City in St. Louis. Okay. A year later, a year later, the woman's heart explodes and, and she decides, you know what? I, there, there's something on the inside of me. I want to help inner city kids and those that are disfran disenfranchised. And so I'm going to start a nonprofit organization. Well, Embassy City felt led to help her start that organization. The organization now starts and she's helping teens who are on uh, uh, in very low economic uh, uh, conditions that are depressed and suicidal. They are now offering care in conjunction with two other nonprofits, and they're seeing kids not only come out of those mindsets, but actually give their lives to Jesus Christ. What I'm telling you is there's a day that's coming in heaven when we all get there where there's going to be lines of people going, thank you for when you gave me the gas money. Thank you so much for when you gave me a donut. Thank you for buying my coffee at Starbucks. Thank you for giving me those shoes. Thank you for buying me that backpack. I wound up giving my life to Jesus. A generational curse was broken in my family and we've established a legacy for Jesus Christ to a thousand generations. That's what we want to do with our resources. Christ says you can do all of that if you just serve God. Do not serve mammon. If you serve mammon, you will deny yourself the opportunity to advance the kingdom and see people blessed. So no money's not evil. It's only when our perspective gets misaligned that it gets corrupted. Point number three, please write this down. What should I do with my money? That's the question. What should I do with my money? The answer is very easy. Three words, steward it well. It's that simple. If, if you want to know what to do with your money as a believer in Jesus Christ, steward it well. Here's the scriptures that we just read earlier. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. Okay. When I gave, uh, uh, when I was growing up in my parents' house, we used to get allowance. Okay. I don't know what they give kids now. I don't know if they give them a chip or I don't know if you just give your kids a debit card with like, you know, $10 on it. I don't know what happens now. But my mommy used to put... Uh, $20 in an envelope, draw a happy face on it, and we would get it on Fridays, okay? And if we did all of our chores, we'd get this money. It was all good. And so uh, I like to save. I, I used to uh, 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 get, get all my money and save it. My brother, he would get his $20, and by, you know, 4 o'clock, all the money was gone. Okay? You could have given it to him at 1130. It was gone by 4. He went to Ross, dressed for less, because that's our last name, so we thought we got a discount. And... <laughs> Just random stuff, tube socks, underwear, and Snickers bars. I'm like, why? It doesn't even match, right? So can't wear a Snickers bar. So um, uh, I used to save my money. But, but here was the thing. As we opened up the envelope, thank you, Mom, for the $20. And she's like, okay, pay your tithes. We were like, huh? <laughs> yeah, 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 you, you got 20 
But how much do you really have? 18. And she'd be sitting there with the change. Here's a 10. Here's a five. One, two, three. I'll take that 20. You have 18. It, it, they conditioned us from a young age. Tithe. The first belongs to God. Just get it out of the way. Now, here's the thing. If, you can, if you're faithful at $20, you'll be faithful at 200 At 200 you'll give 20 It will be so easy for you to do it. If you get $2,000, you will give 200 It will be easy for you to do it. If you got $20,000, you would give, give $2,000, and it would be easy for you to do it. If you got $200,000, you would give twenty k, and it would be easy for you to do it. If you got two million, you see my point. You give 200,000, it'd be easy for you to do it because if you're faithful when you have a little bit, the empirical data shows that you will be faithful when you have a lot. But if you are not faithful when you have a little bit, why would you get more? He says, so be faithful with little and then you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. This is, this is a, a big one for me because if the integrity is not good with small things, it will not be good with large things. Let me tell you how patient the enemy is. The, pay, the, the enemy will wait. He, won't, he, he, he will make you seem like this insignificant. You don't have to worry about it. It was just a little white lie. You, you just, you know, oh, okay, I came back from lunch 15 minutes late. It's not really a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Well, as things start, as greater responsibility is given to you, you will corrupt the larger responsibilities as well. Verse number 12. And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why would you be trusted with things of your own? Here's a statement I want you to write down from God's perspective, okay? This is for me from God's perspective. You gave me mine, I bless yours. The principle of the first. You gave me mine up front. Now, I get to bless everything else. You gave me the 10%. I can bless the rest of the 90. Now, let me tell you, as I grew up, there were certain things that, that, that I wouldn't get because I just thought, you know what, I'm, I, I don't need that. I, I won't buy that. that. That's a little extravagant. I don't need that. I'm a good steward of my finances. And I was talking to my friend once at his house. He was in oil and gas, and he made a lot of money. Faithful tither, faithful giver, extravagant giver, okay? And I was talking to him one day, and, and we were talking about, we got on the subject of jeans. Don't ask me how. We were talking about jeans. And I said, man, psh, I would never buy those jeans because those jeans are, man, have you seen the price? There's like $250 jeans. I pay no $300, $250, $300 for no jeans. The devil is a lie. I'm not buying those jeans. I'm going to buy some Levi's. Okay, I'll go to Lucky Jeans. Get two for 30, go to Ross, find one with a thread missing. <laughs> Nobody would notice it. Let's say squint. I'm getting those jeans because I'm a good steward of my money. And he said, Yeah, um, that's great, uh, but I work hard for my money and um, I tithe and I give. And I like these jeans that cost $300. And I have the money to buy them. And so I'm going to get them. 
And I dare anybody. As soon as he put that dip with it, I was like, hey, hey, man, we're friends. I'm in your house. I didn't even, why? Don't do this to me, okay? Don't come at me like this right now. He said, if I want to buy these jeans, I will. And the Holy Spirit convicted me. He said, he, he said let me tell you what your problem is. You don't believe I've blessed the rest. So you're still holding it like no more is coming. You gave me mine. I bless yours. Well, I don't go to expensive restaurants. I don't need to. We like meat. I go to Arby's. They have the meats. I think it's inconspicuous meat that is suspect and you will not catch me dead in Arby's on my worst day. You cannot give away those massive amounts of meats for a dollar. Something's wrong. Never going in Arby's and you cannot make me. But just go to Arby's. It's all I need. I don't need. I, I, I'm not flashy. Here, here's, the, here's the other extreme of egocentric covetousness, a vow of poverty. They're both arrogant. The egocentric covetous person says, look what I have. I'm balling. I got a lot of money. I, 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 I got, I, I got, I, I have, I have the nicest cars and I have the nicest jewels and I have the nicest watches. That's ego. That, that can be uh, uh, egocentric and that could be covetousness here's the other extreme which is also a spirit I've taken a vow of poverty and all of you people that have nice things you don't really love Jesus I can't believe you have on that nice jacket you know how many people you could have fed you could have fed all the homeless in the world but you decided to have on a nice jacket as if you need that jacket to keep you warm why don't you give, give that to somebody in the poor you wind up a critical judge on one side if you take a vow of poverty and you wind up an egocentric, covetous person on the other side if you crave money. They're both wrong. God says, come to the middle. Come to where I am. Because where I am, here's what I say. I've blessed you. You've honored me. And I bless the rest. This is how he wants us to live our lives. Last verse, here's what it says, and this is so incredible to me. Man, I love this verse. If you are untrustworthy, this is verse number 11, Luke 16. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Read that again. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Here, this is a dynamic revelation to me. What true riches are. If you can't handle these worldly resources, why would God trust us with true 
riches. Let me tell you what true riches are. True riches are people. True riches are souls. We talk about worldly resources. We think about money. We think about uh, oil. We think about iron ore. We think about copper. We think about precious metals like gold and diamonds, rubies. And, and these are all resources that we put a valuation on. But the most important and valuable resource in the earth is not diamonds. It's not gold. It's not oil. It's human resource. It's people. And here's what Jesus is saying. This is not some other person trying to elaborate on Jesus' teaching. Here is what Jesus is saying out of his own mouth. If I cannot trust you with worldly riches, why would I ever trust you with people? If you can't handle this money I put in your hand, you probably cannot steward people that I bring into your life. Because you'll treat them like you treat money. And if it's just something to be spent or hoarded, then you will manipulate them or you will wind up enmeshing with them and becoming codependent. The way you treat money is the way you'll treat people. And if you don't have God's kingdom perspective on finances, you will not have God's kingdom perspective on people. People are not to be hoarded. They're not to be manipulated. They are not to be spent out frivolously. You don't burn out your volunteers. <laughs> you don't hold somebody that feels like God's calling them to, to the next season of their life. You don't make them feel guilty if the season's over because you're a hoarder. Well, I feel like God's calling me to go to a different season. No, God called you here. Well, you, have a pro you probably have a problem giving too. So you don't have a people problem. You probably have a giving problem. <laughs> and it, the moment it turns manipulative and the moment it turns into a, a, real, a real crazy situation, what you are really experiencing is how somebody treats their money. And I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He said, I want to trust you with people. And the way I'm going to trust you with people is I'm going to test you on money. The whole thing's a test. The tithe is a test. Open up your heart to be a generous giver. It's a test. It's not something I said. It's something that scripture says over and over again. Something that is displayed over and over again from Genesis to Revelation. And God says, listen, it's all about people. Last instant in my own life, because I have plenty of these stories since God has given me this um, context. About five years ago, I was at uh, Cheesecake Factory. I've talked a lot about restaurants today. Um, it's, just, uh, it's just the way the sermon turned out. Um, <laughs> sermon's good. And carrot cake's good. And Cheesecake Factory's orange chicken is good. So I'm at Cheesecake Factory. I'm hanging out. There's a young lady there uh, who I had seen frequently. And uh, you all know part of my evangelistic ministry is to tip well. I just don't think you should be given people like spiritual insight at a restaurant and leaving a track and a $2 tip. I just think you are the worst evangelist for Jesus ever. Just go to Arby's. Just don't go to a place where you have to tip and you're like, $2, Jesus loves you. Not that much. Um, 
So, so there's this young lady that's in there, and um, uh, I'm sitting down with some guests that are in from New York, and we're all sitting down at this table. We're having a great time, and uh, the Holy Spirit says, hey, um, I, want you to, I want you to tip her uh, this amount. And um, yeah, it wasn't a generous tip. It was extravagant. Like one of those where I was like, hey, Lord, can you, can you say that again? Just want to make sure I heard you. He said, I want you to tip her this much. And it was extravagant, okay? That's what I'm telling you. It was extravagant. So I wrote down the tip. And uh, then the Holy Spirit said, there's a word I want you to give her. And, and not all the time, but sometimes when I give the tip, the Holy Spirit will give me an encouraging word. And I'll just, I'll have to go with it or else I'll talk myself out of it. So I draw a little arrow to the back of the receipt and I wrote a little something on the back. And I like when I give any kind of tip, but especially an extravagant one, I like to be gone before they get the bill. I like to be gone, right? Because I'm not sitting there like, yeah, you'll be back. <laughs> it's just weird. So, but I gave, I, I, you know, I, I took care of the transaction and put it in there. She had come back and got the billfold uh, unbeknownst to me and... Uh, I was in the company of my friends from New York, so we were just talking. About 20 minutes later, she comes up to uh, the table sobbing. Like already face looks like somebody threw a water balloon at her. She is wet. She is sobbing. And she starts to say, uh, you have no idea the financial situation that I was in, that I was believing God for, I was just telling my roommate about this morning. Me and my young child needed some things for this month, and I was just asking the Lord, would you please make a way for me? And you were my last table of the night. And I just had to say, and she is just brought, well, I start crying because I am, I can cry at a 30 second commercial. It don't take much <laughs> nationwide to open me up. I'm just, <laughs> they are on your side. <laughs> so I am, it does not take, this doesn't take much. So I start crying. All my friends from New York start crying. And they all walk away, and they're like, because they're from New York, yo, son, what'd you give her? I said, it doesn't matter what I gave her. God loved her so much that he made sure we came to Cheesecake Factory because he trusts me. <laughs> to take this money to bless his people. <laughs> and if I see that girl in heaven. Off of a cheesecake factory tip. That'll be worth more than preaching a crusade of millions. We are breaking the spirit of mammon so we can live 
the blessed life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.